All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Honest Defense. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Kelly Miller. Kelly is a former attorney and currently serves as the director of the Schoolhouse Rights Project, which supports civil rights litigation in defense of students' freedom of conscience in public education. Schoolhouse Rights is currently working on a high-profile case that is making its way through the federal courts. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I know we, we don't have a ton of time because this is an ongoing case, but let's just dive right into it. First, can you tell me a little bit about Schoolhouse Rights, what it is you guys do, how it got started, how you got involved with it? Yeah, actually, it's funny. Even in your intro, you said I was a former attorney, and that has changed in the last few weeks. I've had, okay. to, I've had to reactivate my New Jersey bar license. Um, I'm a mom of many children and um, have been in retired status with the bar for uh, probably 13 or 14 years as I was, you know, prioritizing my family. And just in the past couple of months, I started to look into maybe getting some part-time work and mention that to some of my college undergraduate friends from Princeton. And sure enough, within a month, I got a call to ask me to help out on the Clark case. Um, I, during my you know, younger years, I worked at the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, otherwise known as FIRE. So our our listeners are very, they're very familiar with FIRE. We've talked about FIRE a lot. It's a great organization. Okay, great. Yeah, so I had a background in um, First Amendment, um, especially in a school context. They do more college cases, but that's kind of how I, you know, came to be involved. And it started out with just you know, helping to work on the reply. Um, at that time, the, the complaint had already been filed by our lead attorney, John O'Brien, in December. And uh, he had already followed, uh, filed a TRO motion uh, in January, and I and the, the defendants had issued a response. So I was brought on to help with the reply, and I thought it would be in kind of a very limited capacity. Um, but from there, things sort of grew and took off, and the case started getting a lot of media attention. And we had a hearing at the end of December, uh, at the end of February, I think the 26th, where the judge kind of he ruled on the CRO motion, which he denied, but he asked for an evidentiary hearing specifically on the compelled speech claims. He said we were likely to succeed on the merits of those. So we have this hearing on April 14th. Uh, it's really for a preliminary injunction on those claims. Um, just a little background about the case. Uh, William um, William Clark is a student at Democracy Prep uh, Charter School Network, so it's a public school. Uh, and he was asked as part of a mandatory course required for graduation, the course is called Sociology of Change, to do what's called what, what we refer to as identity confessions. So the students are asked to label themselves according to race, gender, um, sexual identity, religion, uh, not only confess those labels, but then also to attach derogatory labels to themselves, such as privileged or oppressor. Um, and William refused to do these exercises. There's in the complaint, there's also some other things such as, you know, mocking slide of SpongeBob square plants saying, you know, reverse racism doesn't exist. And this this how old how old is William? William was a senior. He's, He's a senior, a senior so he's okay. eighteen. Um, and um, and he obviously so he he refused and he he basically has a failing grade in the class. And so this injunction part of this is trying. He's trying to apply to college 
So to get this expunged from his record and transcripts so that he can move on with his life and, you know, achieve, he's a musician, achieve the things he wants to achieve at the next level. So that's kind of, you know, that's a basic summary of where we are in the case. Um, it's taking a little bit of an unusual pattern because right now we're going through disc you know, form of discovery leading up to this evidentiary hearing, but it's not really a trial. So everything's sort of a little abbreviated. Right. Um, and, um, and recently, as I, I mentioned to you um, in our email exchange prior to me coming on, we had uh, the Alliance Defense Fund, uh, uh, ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom has joined as co-counsel on the case. So we have more assistance because it became, once we were gonna have this hearing and we had to go through the discovery, that was when this became a part-time I'm helping out to, it's the full-time job for me right now. And I reactivated my law license and, um, and I'm trying to help do a lot of administration for the case for the Schoolhouse Rights Project. I mean, there was a need for a lot of funding. Litigation is very expensive. The Clarks don't, most clients that are in this situation do not have the money to push these issues with their school district. And um, so I'm, I'm kind of handling that end of things and then also helping with the litigation and coordination of everything. So it's been it's been a crazy couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> this The whole thing seems so crazy because I just think back to when I was a senior in high school, which I feel like wasn't that long ago, but I guess it was because if they had presented us with something like that when I was 17, 18, we would have looked at each other like, like, what is this? What do you what do you want us to do? H how long has this program been going on in this school, this this course and this this whole thing where you have to renounce whatever your, your evils, your inherent evils are? Where I don't I, I actually can't answer that. I don't I don't know. Um, we're, we're trying to figure out you know, we're trying to ask questions to figure out sure. where, where is this coming from? How long has it been around? You know, and we're, that's all, you know, part of the discovery process. I do know that if you go to the public Twitter feed of some of the individuals and the actual school, you see some of these themes in publicly on display. Um, and I think that just in general, critical race theory, these sorts of themes are in a lot of classrooms across our country. A lot of parents don't know about it. I think now with things being virtual, that's actually, you know, how the mom in this case, Gabrielle, was able to see what was happening um, was that, you know, the virtual classroom is broadcast into your home and you can see what the students are actually being taught. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, it's kind of amazing this back when we were in school, I went to public high school, you wouldn't have seen anything like this. Right. Um, you know, asking students to, I mean, even just think about it, being asked as a, as a high school student to publicly label your sexual identity, you know, to tell your teacher that, you know, like, you know, just for, for a civics class that you need to graduate. I mean, it's just. It's kind of crazy uh, that yeah, the so, student would be asked to do that. So on what grounds are you challenging it? I assume this is a first uh, – this seems like a, a clear First Amendment violation. Yeah, I mean the, the judge was very um, sympathetic in his TRO ruling to the compelled speech elements of the First Amendment claim. Um, if, you know, familiarity with compelled speech, kind of the, the landmark case in that area is the Barnett case. He specifically – which is a – I should explain a little about the Burnett, Burnett case is the Jehovah's Witnesses who objected to being required to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Um, I think it's from 1943, that case. And um, that's sort of the 
you know, the landmark case on compelled speech. The judge specifically cited it. He indicated this reminded him of that and that there was a real, because in addition to what I talked about with the identity confession exercises, there were slides and other course materials that are in the complaint that talked about the need for the students to unlearn their prior beliefs. So it was this, it wasn't just, <laughs> there was a real affirmation of belief happening here in the classroom to have a new view, way of looking at things, the way the school uh, critical race theory looks at things. Um, and this sort of like new belief or allegiance or pledge like things are, you know, they trigger a lot of like First Amendment compelled speech concerns. So I think it's a pretty strong case in that area. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that's what the judge indicated in his uh, in in his in the transcript from that oral argument. I, I'm just shaking my head because, I, you know, you hear these things in the news, but to actually hear the facts of a particular situation, it, it just seems so insane that this is happening. Do you do you have any evidence of, of this being a wider trend? I'm sure this isn't the only school this is happening in. Well, I do know. So at Schoolhouse Rights, one of the one of the things that's happened from this case and our involvement in this case is that we've had um, just really hundreds of people have reached out and we have other parents who are expressing concern and we've been contacted with. There's a lot of other organizations involved in this movement to sort of stop this critical race theory in the schools. And we've kind of been connected with them. There's parent group for, parent groups forming on this. I think there's, you know, an attempt to pass legislation in certain states to try to curtail these sorts of curriculums coming in. I, I think in many cases, they're kind of already in. I mean, some of the stories that we're hearing are crazy. Yeah. Um, but I know that some of the other big organizations that are involved with this is one is the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. They're also known as FAIR. And um, that's Barry Weiss is on the board of that and helped get that started you know, formally at the New York Times. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, big name people who are trying to work on this and see if they can kind of build a coalition to prevent this sort of, it's really almost like an anti-racist, you know, it's, it's reverse racism right. from happening across the board. So there's a lot of people working on it and this is just one case, but I mean, it's, it's a big case. Um, and it's, it's great to sort of have a team together in place now to, to, to go forward. How's William been handling this? I'm just, I'm always in awe of someone, especially someone that young, when you're in high school, you, you don't want to go against the flow. You know, that's just kind of inherent. It's, it's tough to be that one person sticking up. Uh, what kind of person is he like? How's he been handling all of this? Um, he's, he's a great kid. He's very strong, silent type. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do what he's doing. So, um, I don't think any of these plaintiffs have it very easy. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Jody Shaw's case yes. against Smith, Smith College, College, but you know, I've gotten to speak with her and know her a little bit, and I'm just I'm so impressed by the individuals that are strong enough to step up to this and say this is wrong and you know this should not be happening, and it's a very very hard thing to do, and as you can imagine, it takes a unique and special person to do it. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about this evidenti evidentiary hearing? What is it specifically that you're trying to present in this case? And, and what's the next step that you take from there? Um, well, the evidentiary hearing is on the preliminary injunction. And so, I mean, I think that the, the concern, the reason that the case has been pushed forward so quickly 
and followed the path it has is that the judge is sensitive towards William being a senior, and it obviously would affect your college application process to have an F on your transcripts in a required course for graduation. His graduation prospects are in question as well because it's a required course that he has an F on. So um, that's the, the hearing is 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 on you know presenting evidence for a preliminary injunction to try to get the grade changed or expunged. Um, and you know, there's been a number of different things proposed with how we could fix this situation for him for graduation. You can read those in the transcript, which is you know publicly available. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the reason for the hearing on the 14th and what's being presented. So um, my understanding is that uh, you know we're we're in the process of doing discovery right now, and you know, there's going to be a deposition of different witnesses involved. And then this hearing, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it'll be one day, but it starts on the 14th of April. So I will see what happens <laughs> after that, but it's not, it's not like, it's not really the standard course that a lot of cases take just right. simply because of the unique situation with his, you know, transcript and his senior year. What's been the school's response to all of this? Has there been anyone at the school who has said, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be failing this kid because he he refuses to to denounce himself. Well, they they failed him. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. I mean, you know, I, I will say there was extensive negotiations throughout the fall before the complaint was filed to try to remedy the situation without filing a formal complaint, um, and those were not not effective. And so what does, you know, William, and I know his mom, Gabrielle, has been involved in this. Ultimately, all they're trying to do is, is get this F expunged on his record. Is there something that Schoolhouse Rice is trying to do from a broader perspective about trying to get rid of this curriculum altogether? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, the Schoolhouse Rights Project is really we're we're taking a stand against critical race theory about this idea that we should be categorizing and labeling people by the lightness or darkness of their skin or other immutable characteristics, which is sort of, it seems to be a pretty foundational principle of critical race theory. And it's very divisive. You know, these, the, from my understanding and my, my background reading on critical race theory, the, the attempt is to have it be, you know, to help against racism, but the divisiveness of it, it makes it and and have forcing these labels on people by their how light or how dark. I mean, in this case, William is um, he's biracial, so his mother is black and his father is white, but he is too white appearing to be considered anything other than white. So this is very much about the color, the shade of his skin. Right. Which, you know, when I when I tell my my children or my children hear about the case on the news or whatever they're there they just say to me well isn't that what racism is <laughs> right. judging and labeling people by the shade of their skin and i and i say yes that, that is that in my opinion that is what racism is so you know i think that um i think that you know from a broader cultural perspective the schoolhouse rights project wants to help people stand up to that and I think that these ideas and this curriculum is pretty widespread in a lot of public yeah. schools, especially public schools in more urban, progressive areas. And parents, 
don't really know what to do and plaintiffs don't know what to do. And, you know, you could read position papers against it or arguments for why critical race theory is problematic. But at the end of the day, you know, plaintiff, the kids and families that this is happening to need assistance. They need legal assistance. And that is not free. Um, and it can be overwhelming for them. So our project is trying to raise funds and put real attorneys on these cases to help real plaintiffs on the ground in their local areas to stand up for what their rights are in the school system. Yeah, it's incredible to me how quickly this critical theory has taken root because I see people my age, you know, late 20s, early 30s, who are promoting these ideas. And, and I think, well, where did you learn this? Because we weren't we were raised on Martin Luther King. We were raised on judge people, not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And it just seems like all of a sudden this whole idea has popped up that no, 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 we do need to judge people by the color of their skin and and just reverse it. How has William gotten support from his classmates? Are there are there more people out there that age who who, you know, when they see a story like Williams, they, they start to think, yeah, maybe this is a little bit crazy. Do you know what kind of support he's gotten from from his own community and peers? Um, well, I can't speak to that, you know, specifically. But I will say that I do think there are a lot of young people who are very concerned about this. Um, and, you know, I've witnessed that. I've seen it in the parent groups that are forming. You know, their, their children are worried. Their children are coming to them saying that they're concerned about this. So, you know, I know that, you know, William's school is in, is, he is the only white appearing student in his class. So, you know, that is a part of, feeling this hostile environment than having to label yourself as an oppressor when you're the only white appearing student in a class creates, you know, a pretty uncomfortable dynamic for him. Um, but, but I don't, I think that there are a lot of students who are concerned in, in summary, but I, I can't speak specifically to what students or who has come out to support him or anything like that. Right, right. Well, Kelly, I, I know, again, you're very busy. You have to get back to this case. Where I can people... <laughs> uh, where, where can people go if they want to support schoolhouse rights and and you know Williams case and whatever else you guys are working on? Yeah, we have a website. It's uh, schoolhouserights.org, and you can actually read all the pleadings and all of the documents from the case. They're all up there. Some of the slides are up there. Some the media, the client Gabrielle and John were on Tucker, so that clip is on there. And there's a donate button on the site to help support them. And the proceeds that are donated through that site um, go to support this project and the litigation. Great. And I'll include the links to all that stuff in the show notes so the listeners can, can get to that very easily. Kelly Miller, thank you again for your time. Thank you for what you're doing. I really appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Of course. <laughs>